Welcome everyone to the Union Federation podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network where we discuss both Star Trek and the Oroville. And is excited, we are going to discuss this week's episode of Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 2, Disengage. My name is Kevin and I'm going to be your captain. But before we go forward, spoiler warning. Yes, if you have not seen Disengage, stop, pause, go watch it, and then come back. Again, my name is Kevin. I'll be your captain for uh, this crew on the Union Federation Starship. And, of course, I'd like to welcome back, as always, my brother from another mother, co-founder of the Fandom Podcast Network, Mr. Kyle Wagner. What's up, buddy? Did you smuggle me some Romulan ale? Because I want to see if it works in helping treating my leftover COVID symptoms. It is now the official new ingredient for the new uh, COVID. So just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm liking this plan. I'm just saying. Medicinal purposes. Medicinal exactly. purposes. <laughs> Isn't that what Hagrid always said regarding his uh, his whiskey, medicinal purposes? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, our uh, first officer and counselor, Amy Nelson, will not be with us this week. Uh, but don't be sad. She is on a Star Trek cruise and she's having a lot of fun. I'm sure she'll be back when she is done with that. and We'll get a full report on that. But I'd like to, of course, welcome back our science officer, Haley Stoddard. What's up? Hello. Uh, I think I need to change my name to Oracle Haley Stoddard. Just saying. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I think I called something out again. <laughs> I think you did. I did. I, 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 but wait, wait. Can I take you to Vegas? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what you know? What do you know? What, what you know? What you know? <laughs> All right. Well, we're not done with our guest here. We have, we're welcoming back. We're really excited to welcome back Sarah Woloski from the Sky Walking Through Neverland Network. How are you? Hey, hey, I am good. I'm excited to talk Star Trek before the Mandalorian craziness happens next week. So got to get my Trek brain on, right? You know, yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, we're a lot of us that here at the network, Kyle and I, of course, and everyone in the What a Piece of Junk uh, podcast on our uh, Fandom Podcast Network, we're all excited for Mandalorian Season 1. We'll be covering that this coming week, of course. And Kyle and I are going to be doing a live uh, Culture Clash Mando watch, as we call it, uh, on Friday nights to uh, get all spoilery and talk about it. So what, do you guys have any specific plans for Mandalorian coming up? What do you guys got going on? Uh, I have some plans. I Well, okay, well, I can tell you one thing that on Monday, Richard and I are going to be talking uh, in a press roundtable, actually. Nice. Dave Loney and John Favreau. And Rick Fumiyawa, who is one of the writers and um, directors, directors. Yeah. of the series, and also Bo Katan. So, oh. um, yes. Nice. nice. Yeah. So, nice. we're very excited about that. So, oh, we'll be sharing cool. all of that, all those interviews, of course, on, on the network. Wait, wait, wait. Does this mean we can't keep you trapped in the pattern buffer like we did this past week? So you can appear on the show. <laughs> no, no, I gotta be out. Gotta be out. <laughs> gotta be ready to go. And I will say, I'm also very excited because my co-host from my other Star Wars podcast, Fangirls Going Rogue, will be in town. So I'm gonna be able to see uh, her. Who's that? Bar. 
Trisha Barr. Oh, Trisha. Yay, yeah. Trisha. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so she's a Star Wars author, and then we're on the show together, Fangirls Going Rogue. It's the first all-female Star Wars podcast that was I, out I, the there. Last, I think I've seen her a couple times at maybe some of the celebrations, but I think I met her in person for the first time at the last Star Wars weekends uh, yes. in uh, Florida. The one, yeah, that was like- 2015? Yeah, 2015. Didn't know it was the last one at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was the one with Frank Oz. I remember that one. That was well, awesome. excited to hear more about that. So check out Skywalking Through Neverland. That is some good Star Wars uh, awesomeness there. I can't wait to see that and hear that. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Star Trek Picard Season 3 and uh, S episode uh, Disengage. And we're going to go ahead and get into the Quantum Drive. And uh, let's get into this. I'm so excited. All right, we have the Admiral's Log episode synopsis. Haley, take it away. Two weeks ago, Jack Crusher sails the Elios 12 into contested space and is confronted by the Fenris Rangers. While he's in violation of various laws, he claims to be on a mission of humanitarian aid to help relieve the Galarian fever on the planet down below. He also bribes the Rangers with a shipment of weapons. As they leave, the ranger radios in, reach out to the marked woman, we've found him. Today, Picard, Riker, and Jack Crusher investigate their options aboard the ailing Elios. While Riker tries to devise a technobabble solution, Picard sets, a transport, sets up transport inhibitors preventing the giant ship from beaming Jack away and confirming to Picard that they are after the boy specifically. Jack, meanwhile, wants to get Beverly's med pod to Picard's shuttle, but the giant ship blows it up, stranding them aboard. Back at the Titan, A, of course, sensors pick up the weapons fire. Captain Shaw is not interested in bringing his ship in. The Titan is a fragile speedster built for science and exploration. But Seven has a firm word with him about whether he wants to be remembered as the man who saved two famed in-story living legends or the man who stood by and let them die. Therefore, as the giant ship begins to haul the Elios in with its tractor beam, the Titan arrives to break the lock. After a bit of a kerfuffle with the transport inhibitors, all four occupants of the ship are evacuated by transporter, with Dr. Crusher being transported directly to sickbay. Meanwhile, Raffi consults with Starfleet Intelligence, upset that she was unable to save anyone. She requests permission from her handler to go deeper, but the handler, again via text message, claims that they have identified a culprit, a Romulan extremist named Talako, who purchased the portal technology from a Frangi crime lord named Sneed. Repeat, Starfleet Command has terminated investigation. Disengage. Raffi, after being denied a face-to-face -face meeting with her handler, resolves to go it alone. To do this, however, she needs to connect with Sneed. And to do that, she needs to talk to her ex-husband, Jay Huang. Jay hoped that she wanted him to reach out to their son Gabriel and is disappointed when she's more interested in her theories. The giant ship hails Captain Shaw and its captain introduces herself as Vatic. She claims to be a bounty hunter and that Jack Crusher is wanted for lawbreaking. She gives Shaw one hour to make a decision and then lowers her ship's shields as a sign of good faith. Titan scans reveal that her ship is armed to the teeth. There's no way they can fight their way out and also no way the ship is merely for bounty hunting. 
Baddock proves her point by using the ship's tractor beam to throw the Elios at the Titan bodily, resulting in a collision that the shields barely handle. A cursory search of Memory Alpha reveals that Jack is indeed an intergalactic fugitive, and Shaw has him held in the brig, with Picard trying in vain to get Jack to reveal what the big deal is. Riker, meanwhile, needles Picard about Jack's resemblance to Picard. Hmm. Vatic hails again and mentions her ship's meaningful name, the Shrike, a carnivorous earthbird that strikes with surgical precision. The Shrike takes apart their victims, Vatic claims, so her ship will disassemble the Titan. Rafi meets with Sneed. She claims to know, want to know, on behalf of her boss, Toluco, who is spreading the rumors that Toluco used the portal flab- Auditonium, okay, probably said that wrong. Sneed suspects she's Starfleet intelligence, maybe even Section 31, and demands she prove herself by hallucinogenic. Despite this, Raffi manages to maintain her cover story. However, Sneed has already seen through it. He knows for a fact that nobody works for Toluco anymore and proves it with a decapitation presentation of the Romulan's head. He then orders his mooks to kill Raffi. Lucifer is, of course, completely inebriated by the drug, but whoever comes in for a big damn heroes moment, fighting off the mooks with a bladed weapon and then killing Sneed is not. The rescuer helps Raffi up and begins to walk her out of the den. I told you, do not engage. It's Worf, son of Moog. (laughs) (laughs) Jack Crusher manages to disable the force field over the brig and begins a mad dash through the ship. Seven finds him at the transporter room, holding an ensign at bay and demanding the transporters be unlocked. Picard interprets this as Jack performing a heroic sacrifice for the needs of the many, and Shaw orders the transporter unlocked. However, at that exact moment, Riker returns to the bridge with Beverly Crusher, healed but still recuperating. Her wordless held gaze is enough, and Admiral Picard suddenly overrides Shaw's order insisting that Jack will remain here because he's my son. He orders the Titan into the nebula and Vatic, laughing mad, orders the Shrike to pursue. To be continued. Well done, Haley. Well done. Okay, so quick impression of um, Beverly Crusher looking at Picard. Oh, there was a lot said that wasn't said. (laughs) Oh my God. Nice job. That, 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 that was the, that was the stare. Not only was she looking at him, she was looking through him. <laughs> oh my god! It, it, it felt like okay. I want to ask you guys this real quick. Okay, so that stare, I feel like that stare was like a two prong stare, not just to let um, Picard know, "Yo, that's your son, dude," but also those other skeptical Star Trek fans, like, "What's going on here? What? what? What's going on?" Oh. R- Really? <laughs> I think my right, favorite guys, you- in response was Picard's like, he just like looked at her and then it dawned on him. I mean, we were, Riker was just trying to be like, yo, uh, hello, hello, Don't hello. you see it? Don't you see And he's just like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but then his face, I loved his reaction to that when he closed his eyes and just was like, okay, I have, like, I have to accept it. Yeah. Mm, so, really quick Haley, and make a decision. Yeah. Haley, start with you. Your first uh, reaction to this episode. I loved it. This was fantastic. Uh, a, I was screaming at my TV when uh, Raffi was fight, like 
trying to fight people. And when I realized who it was, I was like screaming. I'm sure my neighbors upstairs were like, what is she going on about? <laughs> I was like, it's Worf! It's Worf! Um, overall, I loved it. It was cinematically, technobabbly, science-y. Uh, I have a line, I will get to it later, that was my favorite from this episode. I'm so excited. I loved nice. it. Nice. Kyle, you just watched this. Uh, your first thoughts? Well, since I'm engaging with disengage, we see what we did, what I did there. But um, <laughs> this was a phenomenal episode. I actually enjoyed this more than the first episode, I think, because for a few things, we see more of that fun Picard-Riker dynamic, especially when Riker's trying to clue Picard in. And it's like, come on, don't you see it? Don't you see it? <laughs> and I, just the whole... I, I really like I'm really liking my first impression of Jack Crusher, and we'll talk about him a little later. Obviously, the wharf moment is absolutely huge, and I think everything with Rafi is getting very interesting. I got confession to make. I told Kevin about this before bef before we came on mic. When we first see the blade go through one of Sneed's henchmen, I'm like, oh, it's Elnor. And I'm like, then it was like dawned on me. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, no. Is and then I realized that it's gonna be wharf, but um, I also just, I love what they're setting up. I love Amanda Plummer's character. I think she's going to be that crazy, fun Star Trek villain. Um, I, I, lo I love Shaw. I like I like the takes are turning with him. Though I have a feeling this season might not end well for him. I'm just playing a guess, guess here. But they're just setting up so much. And it's, Kevin, and we talked about this yesterday when we were talking about the episode ends and you're not ready for a 10. You're just like, no, I want more and I want it now. <laughs> yes. Definitely agree. I was doing the same thing. Sarah, let's go to you. Uh, your first reactions on the episode. So when an episode ends with a Klingon beheading, I'm pretty cool with that. Like, I thought that was a great ending. <laughs> and that amazing slow Klingon theme, like Worf's theme was like, that was so awesome. I was like, oh, it's his horn call. It's so cool. Um, it just brought me right back to watching TNG. I was like, yes. Uh, but yes, this episode was, I love, you know, the first episode was very expositional. It kind of laid out some puzzle pieces on the board and now we're starting to turn them over and connecting a few. So um, I, I love when th that happens in TV shows. And so this was a very fun episode. There was lots of interesting personalities clashing. Um, first impressions of like Jack crusher with you know picard and riker and everyone and all their dynamics together i really like that i think vodic is it vodic yeah okay she is creepy as hell Ugh. i like <laughs> oh she creeps me out every time she's on screen which i suppose is the point and then we saw her later in the ready room and she's just talking like this and i'm like whoa <laughs> <laughs> she really turns on the threat level right yeah. um so it, yeah and we'll get into it later there's a few little story points i got annoyed at but not enough to like you know, hate the episode or anything. I just thought they were interesting little things to bring up. And I have cool. a, a fun line too that I'll bring up later as well. Awesome. Please do. Uh, my first impression, loved it. I was with Kyle when the episode was ending when they're going to Nebula. I'm like, Nebula, wait a minute. They know how to do, they know how to do stuff in Nebula. Star Trek, good guys <laughs> always know how to overcome bad guys in Nebulas. And I was like, ready for it. And I'm like, oh, and in, darn it. <laughs> 
But uh, so question, does Sneed now get to add his own head to his collection? I don't know how that works out. <laughs> no, okay. yeah. Kevin, Kevin, just real quick. I, I did feel like you should be covering this episode on Blood of Kings. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> have we ever had have we ever had like two heads shown headless people shown in a Star Trek episode like that? It's pretty Come cool. On. But uh, a, a Romulan head for the mantle, it's the new gift of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was digging Sneed. We'll get into him a little bit more there, but uh yeah, I love this one. and as 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 Sarah mentioned, the dichotomy between the different uh characters and you know, learning more about Jack and I, I love the I love how I love how um Vatic was like, I'm gonna give you an hour while I spin in my chair. Oh my god, it was so great. <laughs> now that's su- that's such a movie thing to do, especially in Star Trek, you know, and stuff. But I love the fact that we got that trope, you know? Oh because god. then you get the moments with Picard and um Jack, you know, while he's you know behind the, the electronic prison and He's going over his rap sheet. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, even though he's he's uh, he, he's he's kind of a dick, I, the captain he's kind of warming up to me a little bit, <laughs> you know. Even though, yeah, I don't think that he's gonna last very long. But I like the fact he's like, I was having a great morning until you came along. I thought that was a funny line. So, uh, but I did want to mention something I thought was really cool, and it is mentioned in um, the ready room. But I wanted to bring it to the table right now, and that is District Six. And uh, Terry Metalis, who's the showrunner, great guy. Uh, he's on Twitter, and I followed him. I was following him on Twitter, and he did some great behind-the-scenes stuff here. And I, I've always been a fan of Star Trek underworld locations. You know, we've seen a lot of that in all of Star Trek, and I love the fact that they actually went back to Star Trek Enterprise and borrowed some themes from it. And there's like an old Orion sign that was in Enterprise when they went to their little CD world. Uh, that they showcased in this one. I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on District 6, the naughty station. <laughs> Let's start with you, Kyle. I kept waiting for uh, some guy named Decker to show up in the, the in District 6. It, yeah, Blade Runner, that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it had that feeling. But, you know, I like this because I one of the things that I think as Star Trek talks, tries to establish this utopia, you're still have these places these these dark corners of of your universe and i think and for star trek we we always see so much idealized to to be able to have this and see this especially when you're dealing with what raffi is dealing with with the underbelly and and things like that and i think we see a little we saw a little bit of this even in though we saw different episodes ds9 always kind of felt like it had that little bit of an underbelly side it was always dealing with and I love that we're really getting even more information about it here in Picard. And it just, it feels right. Right. And they had some great discussions about it in the ready room, talking about some of this stuff that was pre-existing that they used involving this, including the um, Okinawan market that they had in season two of Picard that they used yeah. for inspiration for some of this too. And it, it, it's beautiful. It's, it's dirty, it's deadly, and it's full of all kinds of crazy characters. And I love it. Sarah, if there's any, um, Oh, fandom, other sci-fi series that excels in CD locations. It's Star Wars. <laughs> yes. So it's it's nice that Star Trek also can uh, go to that little corner of the galaxy as well. And I wanted to get your thoughts on District 6. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. This this area kind of reminds me of the Rings of Kafreen from Rogue One. It's where yeah. we begin mm-hmm. that Rogue One, uh, where Cassian actually kills his informant. 
there. Um, so it, it reminded me of that. I, I think it's really cool how I, I love watching the ready room. I love behind the scenes stuff. So I loved learning that they had put all kinds of little Easter eggs from different Star Trek series within uh, this district six. So I thought that was neat. And it's, it is nice. I think Kyle hit the nail on the head. It's it's nice to know that Star Trek world is not all perfect and shiny. They have like the seedy underbelly. Yeah. Haley, what about you? Star Trek underground. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting to think about, you know, because of this uh, utopians that uh, Star Trek has always been, we tend to forget that probably not everybody is going to jump on board. We're still going to have all these people who are drug lords and mobsters and gangsters. I mean, hello, gangsters of Triskelion. Um, But uh, there's still going to be like this kind of stuff. Uh, It makes me like think of like Babylon 5 where, you know, there was this seediness to the ship even. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, And so I really liked it and I loved all the little nods to all the different things. And then I, they were showing clips in the ready room and I totally forgot that like uh, in discovery when they were in the little market thing that uh, there was like seti eels and then like, you, why would you want to eat one of those? What if it's still alive? Uh, Stuff like that. So yeah. um, But it is, it's an interesting concept to think about, you know, because we look at Star Trek and it's so positive to say, well, hey, maybe there's still people who are resistant to this and there's still societies out there who don't join in on this notion of this utopia where, you know, things are great because, again, but then that's also a mask because how many of us say, oh, everything's fine when things really aren't. So it's a really neat idea to look at. Okay, I think SETI eels are, you know, they have a bad rap, Haley, because when they're not in your ear and your head, they're actually kind of cute, don't you think? Yeah, no, 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 they are not. No, no. You should see the look on Sarah's face right now. It's great. (laughs) Hey, um, Kevin, all I know is that if I'm going to District Six, I think I know who I who probably has a good feel for that, and that is going to be Ensign Mariner. So I think I'm gonna, if I'm going to District Six, I might put in the call (laughs) to Ensign Mariner. Probably, yeah. All right, guys, I want to have a little fun here and talk about, uh, you know, this is usually where we talk about the cast, but we want to kind of target on the notable guest stars. And I want to give a shout out. Let's give a shout out to Amanda Plummer as Vatic. Oh, my God, is she creepy and good. Now, for you cinephiles, a lot of you may recognize her mostly from um, a little movie called Pulp Fiction. And when I saw her in her chair, I was just waiting for her to go, all right, you crazy little Federation. If any one of you Emmer Effers move, I'm going to kill the lot of ya. <laughs> Anybody see Pulp Fiction? It's been a while. A long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very famous scene when they get ready to, uh, you know, rob a diner until Samuel Jackson has other things to say. <laughs> I want to get your guys' thoughts on Amanda Plummer as Vatic. Let's start with you, Haley. Uh, yeah, she came on screen and I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And immediately just a little swivel in her chair. I was like, oh, snap, this, this is going to get very interesting, very fast. And then she talked and I was like, all right, uh, she is creepy AF, like really (laughs) bad. So, uh, and then, you know, just the laugh, I think that was probably, 
if that wasn't in her character script originally, if she threw in that little laugh of like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm down. I'm I'm gone. Like, no, thank you. Don't chase me, please, because I don't even want to know what you're going to do to me <laughs> type thing. She's great. I want to know what she's smoking. That's what I'm kind of curious about. Uh, Sarah, what are your thoughts on Vatic, Amanda Plummer? So for Star Trek things, I don't really look into like the actors or anything going into the series. I just kind of watch it. So when I saw some of the previews, I didn't know if Vatic was a girl or a guy. I thought it was like a guy. And so when all of a sudden, I think I did too, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It wasn't just me. So I was like, Oh, it's like a a creepy guy. Okay. Skinny little guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, she talked and you're like, Oh, she's a girl, but she's creepy AF. Just like, you know, Haley said, um, those words went through my head too. And and just the way that she like, da, 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 da. like she almost like dances in her voice, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's very creepy um, to have a villain, like not like sometimes, you know, like when someone gets angry at you and they're shouting at you, you can handle it, but it's when they get the cold, like the cold sweet. dead eyes and like just very soft, like you really, you really disappointed me, you know, like that, that dichotomy is like, oh, that that's even worse. So the fact that she's this big, you know, heavy, bad villain, but is acting all cheery and bird-like, you know, um, is, makes it worse. So I I think that was a great choice on their, on, on her part. Well, Kyle, before I get your thoughts, I just want to, I'm going to jump to trivia real quick. For those that don't know, Amanda Plummer is the daughter of the late actor, Christopher Plummer, who played oh General gosh. Chang in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And of course, most of us know him from Sound of Music. But he also <laughs> does a chair spin, if I remember correctly. Yes. As he's taunting his uh, oh. his uh, Star Trek enemies, uh, Federation enemies, as his he has a cloaked uh, Klingon bird of prey. That's her father, by the way. So there you go. Wow. All right. Kyle, your thoughts on uh, Vatic here? First, importantly, though, uh, Kevin, we need to get you some wireless headphones because if you keep spinning in your chair, you're going to end up with like we're going to end up with a Kevin head on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Add my head to the collection right next to <laughs> the great thing about this character, and especially with Amanda Plummer in that role. Amanda Plummer is one of those actresses. I don't know if chameleon's the right word, but she be there's actors and actresses who just no matter what role they're in, it's not, you can tell the difference between an actor who's playing a role and an actor who becomes the role. And she's one of these actresses that becomes the role and she does it so effectively and she gets so enveloped in the character and, and she is perfect for this character with that, just that edge of crazy, but there, you know, there's something more going on behind there. There's like, you don't, this is somebody you don't want to mess with. I mean, when they're going, she's talking about all the weapons that are on her ship and showing what her ship is capable of. And you're just like, she, she plays crazy, but she's that dangerous, smart, crazy too. And yeah, the mental game, the mental chess that's going to be happening between her and Picard and Riker over the, I think at least the next episode is going to be, so entertaining to watch because yeah. I really think this is going to be one of Picard's toughest tests as far as just playing the mental <coughs> game with, with, with an opponent. And I'm really looking forward to this. 
I was uh, I was a huge fan of Amanda's performance in this, and she definitely comes across as one of those method actors. And uh, uh, she's been in a lot of stuff, but again, that's why I, I had fun with her Pulp Fiction character there because uh, she was really really good in that. Uh, and it's nice to see uh, Star Trek legacy, uh, you know, family and actors, uh, you know, sharing the Star Trek stage with the you know the you know, their family members in this. And it's nice that her father uh, has a moment in Star Trek history as well, which is great. Uh, but I want to bring up another uh, person here real quick, guys. Uh, we, of course, have uh, this gentleman right here. We got Randy uh, J. Goodwin is Jai. Uh, we also have, uh, what else we got going on over here? Uh, I think we got, uh, oh yeah, this guy, Sneed. I, I got to be honest with you guys. A little disappointed he died so quickly because <laughs> I kind of was digging him. He was nice and creepy. Uh, but I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on the other guest stars on this. Uh, Haley, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, Sneed was definitely a very interesting character, and I really liked the uh juxtaposition of Rafi meeting her ex husband and their differences and his expectations going into that conversation with her. <clears throat> Uh, was was quite interesting, you know. Uh, uh, he brings up, you know, that she ambushed uh, their son at his doctor's appointment and like wanting to meet her granddaughter because there's so much stuff that's happened off the camera, so to speak, you know, that we haven't seen. And um, I really liked this conversation of like, you know, she's trying to prove. And, and that dichotomy of wanting to have a conversation with her son and wanting him to put in a good word, but also wanting to prevent other people from dying and really not being able to portray that to him, that she wanted both. And it's kind of sad that he still sees her as she is, as she was and not for who she is. And, um, that's just kind of interesting because of my line of work. So um, I think seeing people for who they are uh, with everything and not looking at people's past and constantly bringing up uh, is a great thing. But uh, Sneed was, was definitely interesting as well. Yeah. That was a tough scene with Jay. Uh, you're right. It, uh, you know, she's like, am I doing this for the greater good? Uh, you know, and, and him to kind of put her in that position. I see why he did that, but I kind of question if it's entirely fair. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely a good moment there. Uh, Sarah, your thoughts on the uh, the other guest stars? Yeah, Kevin, I'm going to jump off you. I definitely thought that was a little unfair. Like, uh, I, you know, he basically gave her an ultimatum. Yeah. Of yeah. you know, what, choose, make a choice. It's like, well, you didn't have to do that. You know, like you're just choosing to do that now to see where she stands. I guess, um, like, what's more important? But again, 171 lives lost already. I'm sure there's going to be more. So she's, you know, she's thinking of a bigger picture and he has a small picture in mind, which I mean, family is important, you know, but I think Rafi has a, a higher path. She's kind of like the Jedi of this world, right? She's, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's thinking of the whole galaxy and not just her small piece of it. Yeah. Um, and as for the Frangi, what's his name? Sneed. Sneed, yes. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great portrayal of a Frangi because I'm used to Frangi being really silly with giant <laughs> ears, you know, on the screen. And you know, I've seen DS9. I've seen, of course, Next Generation. And they're always portrayed just kind of very silly, very money hungry. And this, I thought, 
he did a great job in portraying a sinister uh, Ferengi, and his ears weren't quite as big. I was, I was, you know, like admiring the design, <laughs> the care, the creature design of him, and how just a little shaving off of the ears made him more able to portray sinister rather than funny. That's a good point because I remember when early production behind the scenes for Deep Space Nine was that they wanted to uh, have Quark have the biggest ears. You know, uh, he wanted they wanted him to stand out. And when you saw other Frangies, you saw some with like smaller ears and stuff like that. But that's a good observation. I, it, it does kind of make him a little more creepier. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on the rest of the cast? Uh, with with Raffi's um, ex husband. I think we it was good that we saw that because I think it lets us see another side of Raffi and just see how bad it was she got and with her conspiracy theories, her drug use, that really anybody who's loved her just doesn't have any trust in her anymore. And even, you know, you you wonder if there's still something kind of going on with her and Seven as far as what was the fallout between them and was it Raffi's problems again. So it really establishes, I think, another side of Raffi there, but Sneed, I get the feeling Sneed is kind of one of those Ferengis that even other Ferengi really don't really want to hang out around. He just <laughs> see, he just seems like, yeah, you're just a little bit more much than what we we want to deal with here. But um, I think I think to have when you see, especially the Ferengi are so interesting when they put them in this criminal aspect of, especially when they're trying to like be mobsters and things like that, and sometimes they get a little outside of their box and it tends to get them in trouble. That happened with Sneed here. Um, this didn't <laughs> end well for it. And well for him when he tried to be a little bit more than what he should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I was I was a fan of Sneed. Uh, I loved his little collection, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later. But I thought that we would go ahead and get into the first away mission here. We got to get into it deep. So here we go. All right. Uh, I always like to visit our friends there at Denna Geek, and Lacey Bauer is back, and she has a great article. Uh, about disengage and uh, regarding Jack Crusher uh, is exactly who we thought he was, but what does all of this mean? And uh, she goes on to say it's um, despite the fact that Star Trek Picard seems to have finally realized what that, what the people always wanted from the series was a mature version of Star Trek, the next generation that wrestled with maturity legacy. And the way we even see the closest relationships can change over the course of a lifetime. The series continues to be plagued by pacing issues in its second episode. Disengage is an hour that not only takes forever to reveal a plot twist. We all pretty much guessed last week, but it's also full of the sort of laborious table setting that isn't particularly fun to watch. This is where I disagree with Lacey on this. I love the setup. Um, this is a slower paced episode. So that can kind of sometimes, you know, maybe especially after the first episode, people can look at it going, okay, they're just kind of setting stuff up here. But I love action in Star Trek, but more importantly, I love the moments between characters and things that we learned. And I want to talk about Jack Crusher here, guys, uh, the love child, apparently. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because um, I thought he made a very interesting comment to Picard about, you know, are we the same people 30 years later? You know, we change. And this can kind of reflect about the, the series thus far because season one and two have been kind of lukewarm with some people that were expecting more of what we're getting now in season three. 
and that they didn't want to do that. They wanted to show what change does to people. And uh, obviously, something happened here. Jack Crusher is Picard's son, and it took a good 10 minutes of stare for him to really realize it from, from uh, Crusher. But I wanted, I wanted to dive into him. I, I want you guys to kind of speculate what happened here. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to start with you. Oh, my gosh. Well, one crazy night. A little too much Union Federation wine or start or what? Armila <laughs> Ale every time. No, Chateau Picard. <laughs> thank you. I like. I have the wine bottle. I'm like, okay. Um, yes, Chateau Picard wine, and uh, yeah, uh, s- somehow the inhibitions got down. Wait, hold on. Didn't it start Picard. with morning tea first on the Enterprise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does Picard put in that Earl Grey? <laughs> <laughs> What yeah, do you so, want to know? Just kidding. I know. Yeah, maybe. I So, like, how old do we think Jack Crusher is? He's 25, maybe? The Just so you know, the actor himself is about 34. What? The actor Holy himself. Holy crap. You know, he, yeah, he's, he's so born old. in 88. And uh, uh, so he looks younger than he is. He looks he, way younger. Oh, my God. Okay. So, yeah. 34. So, and she said Beverly was cut off for 30 years. Is that yeah, what she 20. said? So, 20. 20. 20. Tw- just I 20. I think 20. Yeah. 20. So oh. I'm, I'm thinking Jack's probably, they're probably looking at 20, 21, 22, maybe, maybe 22 right. tops. Yeah. That's what I would think. So, like, so what? There were six. I don't know. Like, I can't do math in the Star Trek <laughs> universe. Like, I feel like Beverly might, was like too old to have a kid, but I who knows? Um, so I I don't. What What do you guys think? I I like don't know enough about the Star Trek. Universe. Haley, let's go to you. What do you want? <laughs> how do you think? How do you think this happened? Did they go back to that planet insurrection and you know have a little vacation? You know, they meet up on D. Deep Space Nine in the holodeck? What, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, no, it was definitely not a holodeck. My <laughs> my guess is, if we look at all of this, because of where Picard started, he was back home. I think there's, you know, I think there was some kind of get-together, reunion, something that happened uh, at the family's vineyard, and things transpired as all fans of Next Gen wanted them to for, like, years in the show itself. Um, And actually, I think I love it. I love that, yes, obviously something happened. I, my guess is, Beverly had instant regret. I mean, if we look at the story, you know, Jack, you know, there was the time where Wesley was angry and Picard was upset with himself. And how do I be friends with, with Beverly and how do I help raise the son of this guy who was my friend and he died and the guilt that Picard had from that. And also the love. I mean, I I don't know how many of you have read the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard, but it kind of talks about like his relationship with Beverly well before she married Jack Crusher. So like there was already that established like well in advance, like well before anything. And so I think it really like hap- it, it happened. And I think maybe Beverly was angry with herself 
Um, maybe there was something else, you know, it's all speculation. Maybe there was something else that happened that caused her to say, I'm going to go and I'm going to leave and I'm not going to talk to anybody for 20 years and, and whatnot. And, and there's a possibility that whatever transpired and, and how Jack came to be in this relationship that really has always existed, but just never, either of them never really fully acted on it. I mean, one of my favorite episode episodes from TNG is attached. And if we look at that episode and what transpired in that episode, and even after they still felt even more connected after that. And oh, they were so hot for always, each other. <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, there, there's always been that that's always been there. And I love that it finally, finally did come to something, even though it did end up cutting her off by her own choice. And so I think for Jack, maybe he's wondered about it, you know, obviously, because when the first episode, you know, there's the running log of everything from all good things and all this stuff happening. He probably has had an idea in his head that Picard is his dad. Maybe Beverly's never fully mentioned that to him, never really admitted it to him. And so I think... You know, and they touch on it in the ready room, but I won't go into that. But there's anger, obviously. I mean, he's 20. His prefrontal cortex is still not fully formed yet because that's not until you're 25. And so his ability to rationally make decisions and really think through things is still not fully there. But he's angry. Maybe he's angry at his mom for, like, keeping him from his dad. Maybe he's angry at Picard because he's like, I think you're my dad, but I don't really know. And why weren't you there for me and whatnot? And so I think there's a lot of anger that's got to come out. And I think that's why he's as cocky as he is. But, I mean, he get I get it. Like, what 20, 21, maybe 22-year-old guy is not like that? Question for you, Haley. The book, yes. Star Trek Picard, that you've read, how far in the future does that go? Because the last time we remember seeing Crusher on any film screen was Star Trek Nemesis, I guess, right? Yeah. So the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard is actually past stuff. So it goes into like his time on the Stargazer, but it's okay. not anything... From what I remember, it's been a while okay. since I've read it. So I'd have to reread it again. But if you haven't read it, listeners, I hands down recommend it. Um, I have that one and obviously the Spock one. I know that they've come out with one for um, Janeway and for Cisco, um, but I really recommend it if you're a big fan of TNG. It is a wonderful read. I'm not big on the books, but I really loved some of the the stuff that it gets into and really kind of how he is, why Picard right. is the way he is and stuff. It's a really wonderful read. Wow, Kyle, is it available oh. on audiobook? I don't know. Okay, I'll have to check. Good question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've brought that up, uh, that book up a lot, Haley. So I appreciate your insight on that. Kyle, your thoughts on uh, Jack Crusher, Love Child? So let, let's let's take a look. We're in well in the future. Medicine has greatly improved. People are living longer. Um, you know. So, so I, I think if you want to throw that out there, you know that that that's probably a good reason why Jack was able to be a later in life child. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, the character himself is very, very intriguing. Um, Ed Spoliers has plays him wonderfully uh, because you can you can tell, and I there's a little bit of ready room how much he loves track. We we see that in the in the interview with the ready room, but you can just you can just tell he fits right into this world. And I think 
when even though Riker's trying to hint at physical appearance, especially later in the episode when he's talking just how he's acting and the actions and the decisions he makes, and Riker seeing it is so intriguing because outside of maybe Beverly and Guinan and maybe Laris, who knows Picard better than William Riker? And yeah. so he's seeing it with an unclouded eye. And that's also credit to Ed Spleers, who acting this is pro- probably did a lot of research and probably really picked Patrick Stewart's brain of how would a young Picard act. And so I think, I think this is going to be a very intriguing how this plays out. And I still think there might be a little bit more to this story than, than we know. I do think this was something where maybe after next, after this last film, film, they Beverly and John Luke maybe finally gave into it and for a while, but it also plays the long story again of why Picard has relation had relationships issues that he had to deal with before he was finally able to start a relationship with Lar- L- L- Laris. But now I don't know how Laris is going to feel when he's like, I'm bringing the sun home. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, three's company. There we go. Uh, come and knock on my space door. Um, okay, so. I started thinking about that in the, this episode of TNG and they mentioned it in uh, the radio room. The, and it's also funny too, because there was the Ferengi involved, the episode where uh, the vengeful Ferengi guy uh, changes the DNA of a young boy to pretend to be Picard's son to uh, get revenge on Picard. And uh, uh, that was, that was an interesting episode. I just f- find it funny here that we have a, 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 a Ferengi in this episode and we have uh, Picard's son. So, uh, but guys, I want to talk about this lovely lady right here. We'll talk about Raffi. Uh, and in Lacey Bauer's article, she goes, surprisingly, Raffi's story remains the weakest part of the episode uh, and of season three thus far. She spends most of the episode trying to find out why Starfleet has terminated the investigation into last week's horrific terrorist attack. Um, I don't know if I'd say this is she, her story is the weakest part. I was kind of wondering the last episode what they were doing, but I was being patient because I knew they were setting something up, especially after we see the de- destruction of that building and we realize that she's onto something. So the big question is, is who is she communicating with? And I wanted to kind of have a quick discussion about Rafi because, you know, at least to this guy, Mr. Worf coming in and saving her. Uh, but she has to like go back to taking drugs to prove, you know, to, uh, uh, to Sneed that, you know, I'm not an informant um, and stuff. So I know that's a, a tough thing to do, but I'm really enjoying Michelle Hurd. And by the way, I'm just saying, love her hair in this. Oh my God, it is gorgeous. Uh, but I want to get you guys thoughts on uh, Rafi here and what she's doing. Uh, let's go ahead and go back to you, Kyle. I think it's very interesting with Rafi, the fact that she's kind of become this uh, section 31 or if it's even section 31, I don't think it is. I think, I think there's something else that she's in because I can't see Worf going section 31 either. I don't, I just don't see that. And to have Worf be her handler um, is a very interesting twist. And I think it, but talk about putting two characters together who could pro- probably benefit from each other in a lot of different ways. I could see where Worf will help Rafi get, get through some of her, the baggage she's had throughout her life. And maybe Rafi, with some of her views, kind of makes things interesting for Worf. Obviously, we we still don't know everything about what Worf has been through. They've made a lot of hints that this is going to be a diff, a little bit different Worf than we've experienced before. So I'm I'm curious about that. But what I'm what I'm liking about this aspect is again going with more of this um, 
the, the underbelly of Trek. And when and Raffi is the perfect character for this. So it, it's, it's great storyline writing. What I'm more curious about is how they are going to tie this weapon in with what else is going on in the show. And I think it goes back to our nice, crazy captain because she seems to have an infinity affinity for very exotic weaponry. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering if they're not going to establish that she has some networks within Federation space, because she obviously has a lot of connections. She yeah. could be a bigger bad than what we even realize. Sarah, your thoughts on Raffi and the ties to Worf here, what she's doing. She's uh, putting a lot <laughs> online here. <laughs> she is. She is. Um, so I feel like, I, I can see a little bit where the writer, the Den of Geek writer was coming from just in the fact that the episode had a lot of action going on with Picard and Riker and the crushers over there. And then it would cut away to Rafi and I'd be like, no, don't cut away. I want to see what's happening over there. So I think um, just yeah. in terms of which storyline I was more interested in, I was more interested in the Picard uh, storyline and, and the, the striker. What, wait, what's the, the ship? Right. The Shrike, the thank you. The Shriker. Yeah. <laughs> the the Shrike. So, uh, yeah, I could see a little bit there. But that said, I do like, you know, it's good to have these intertwining stories and Rafi doing this investigation. Uh, there, One of the little things I got annoyed at was the little story point where her contact is telling her, oh, you know, disengage, don't don't look at what's happening. And she's like, no, I am going to look at what's happening. Even when her contact was like, okay, well, you know, like don't, don't be the next person who gets killed out of the, you know, don't be the 172nd person to get killed. And she's like, but I am going to do it. I am. And she was like putting all her cars on the table. It's like, don't, don't put all your cars on the table. You don't know who this person is, you know? So, um, and it turned out to be okay because then Worf came and saved the day. But I, I, that was just an annoying little storytelling point. It's like, ah, just, just keep things under your vest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I was feeling that, you know, I'm like, Oh, you're going to get in trouble. Aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Daily. overall, oh, I think sorry. I liked no problem. Overall. I think I do like our previous conversation where the analogy of Rafi and Worf, maybe as kind of the Jedi of star Trek, where they're kind of looking at, looking out for everyone and um, you know, just, seeing how they can help the galaxy, I right. suppose. And I guess we'll find out uh, what exactly they're doing, but I'm going to, I'm going to watch it in that way. Yeah. Moving forward. Haley speculation. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I can see where people would be not so great on the storyline because it's very slow burn. And, it is kind of difficult to see, okay, we have like seven episodes, you know, we have like eight episodes left. How are they going to wrap up this storyline into what's going on with Picard and everything else, right? Because we all know that at some point they all get together and they're all going to be sitting around a table trying to figure out something. And so I think Kyle kind of hit it pretty good. I think there's a possibility whether um, Vodic has it has the weapon or knows who has the weapon or is going to help them figure out who has the weapon. And like, I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, who knows on the table, but I loved it because it was, I think the perfect way to reintroduce Worf and to bring Worf into our current timeline. So I'm very excited to see what happens. And I agree that 
I think no one else currently, as far as characters go in Star Trek, could be the people to look at something and be trying to figure something out from the underside um, besides Rafi. Uh, before we head into the break, guys, I want to see if there's any other uh, reactions to this week's episode, any of your favorite lines, any of the favorite moments. Uh, Sarah, what you got? I have, so Captain Shaw, at the very beginning, um, I, you know, in the first episode, he annoyed us all, right? Yeah. Just like, oh, <laughs> what are you doing talking to Picard and Riker like that and eating your dessert first? But in this episode, I I actually got where he was coming from a little bit when he refused to help Picard and Riker at first, like go into the nebula, he's responsible for all the life aboard his ship. So it made sense that he was looking out for all those people that he knew. And then he says my favorite line in the episode, which is when he finally does help out. um, And they realize that they're in this nebula and the Shrike is there. And he goes, well, we are essentially cornered in space which has no corners. <laughs> I thought it was utterly hilarious and very meta because how many times have we been watching shows that happen in space where there's like, I just watched the Phantom Menace over the weekend and there's the blockade, right? Of the planet, right. but they're only like in one section of space. Go around. So, yeah. It's like, well, you can go 360 degrees. You don't have to go straight towards the big trade federation ship. Like dude, you know, like, figure it out. So I just thought that was so meta when he said that space has no corners. <laughs> I, I love that you, I love that you brought that up because he was growing on me in this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, and uh, a little news alert. I uh, forget who it was that posted it, but I'm going to mention he's that. on the cruise. He's on the cruise. Yes. Oh. Todd, Todd Stashwick made an appearance on the cruise. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Haley, did you have anything uh, you wanted to mention? Um, any other comments on this week's episode? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I have, uh, this is my favorite line. Uh, as my father taught me, there is no laws, no law of physics that can't either be broken or weaponized. And that was Ensign LaForge. And I am so excited, um, <laughs> because anybody who knows me knows that I love Haley, LaForge. I was thinking of you during this scene <laughs> going, woohoo! <laughs> uh, I love the science of Star Trek and I love science in general, but I love LaForge. And so that to me was so fantastic. And I'm so excited um, to see more events in LaForge and also to see LaForge because I cannot wait because he's just my favorite. And I'm so, so stoked. Um, And then also, uh, I'm just going to just going to say it. Uh, yes, I am going to be the oracle of this podcast because I think I'm like three for three on things that I've predicted being accurate. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but apparently I'm good at it. The oracle. So. Yes. Yes. Kyle. <clears throat> Two things. One, nobody has discussed how much seven of nine pulled the puppet strings on Shaw, playing on his ego a little bit with, you can go down as the guy who let two Star Trek start saved your crew, but let two legends die, or you can be the hero that saved heroes. That was that mm-hmm. was an ego stroke right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and to play that, and I really think that you know Shaw. The other Shaw is very interesting, but here's the other thing, and nobody, I, I haven't seen it on another podcast. I didn't talk about it on the Ready Room. How does Vatic have Shaw's psychological profile? 
Yeah. Starfleet, Starfleet records. She seems to have a lot more information than what the average person would have access to. So th- th- there's some more things going on here. <laughs> I, um, I, th- I think I we think we're going to have, have a player villain. <laughs> uh, is there yeah. a bad mole somewhere that's going to be popping up soon that might be feeding Ooh. information? <laughs> where, where's Jellico? <laughs> okay okay i'm gonna make a prediction and is it perhaps Worf and rafi feeding information to her and they don't know it somehow Mm. i don't know ah that's a good call well i mean if we look at it the fenris rangers were the ones who said hey let her know we found him and we know the Fenris Rangers have skirted the line on being friendly with the Federation and not friendly with the Federation. So there could be something there. They could be trading information um, that they find out. So um, it could also be that, you know, because she's just crazy uh, that she's able to read people. <gasps> Maybe she's half betazoid. <laughs> oh man, that's some good stuff, guys. <laughs> oh, all right, guys, we're going to take yep. a quick break here. Uh, but then uh, in the next away mission, we're going to get into um, a little trivia and, of course, uh, a little bit of uh, ready room as well. But first, take a little break here on the Phantom Podcast Network from Union Federation. And they're going to let you know what other great shows are on the network. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast. We cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Letha Mullet, an action film podcast covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Letha Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show. Our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU Podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. All right. Welcome back to Union Federation. We are discussing Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 2, Disengage. And as we always have fun with, we got some trivia on our next away mission. 
All right. So this episode contains several references to the sci-fi channel series 12 Monkeys that came out in 2015. Todd Stashwick, Captain Shaw, played the character of Deacon in that series, the main character of which was James Cole, one of the aliases used by Jack Crusher. In 12 Monkeys, the part of James Cole was played by Aaron Stanford, who plays the Ferengi Sneed in this episode. Finally, the drug Sneed gives Raffi is called Splinter, Yes, I immediately thought of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, <laughs> because it feels like it pulls you apart and puts you in back together over and over. In 12 Monkeys, the process of time travel used was called splintering for the same reason. And uh, one of the charges against Jack is actual terrorism on Binar 3. This is a rare reference to the Binar system, whose inhabitants have their minds linked via computer and communication in a binary code. In Star Trek The Next Generation 11001001 in 1988, the Enterprise D docks at a starbase in the Binar system to receive a major computer upgrade. During the upgrade, the Binars hijack the Enterprise. And before I go into, I've got a great little uh, Den of Geek article showcasing a lot of other little uh, Easter eggs in this. I was wondering if any of you guys had any Easter eggs that popped out at you. No? Did you know that Jack Crusher is is the son of Picard? Oh, <laughs> no, get out of here. No way. <laughs> what, 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 what I, what I want to know is how Jack Crusher does all this time travel because he does a lot of period pieces. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Downton Abbey. <laughs> Outlander, see where you're getting out of that, Kyle. Well played, well played. <laughs> well, I want to mention some of the stuff that I found in this article here, which is great. Uh, okay. So Star Child, the opening song I loved because this kind of is in my little hair metal uh, genre here. Jack Crusher is jamming out to the 1974 track called Star Child by a Texas-based band, Baby. The band did not last. Uh, it was, isn't particularly famous, but the track is a totally killer and Jack clearly has good taste. So uh, we also have Romulan Ale. Jack tangos with some Fering uh, Fenris Rangers in this short flashback. Uh, and briefly as they uh, talk about Romulan ale, the bottle style of the Romulan ale is identical to the same bottle bones had in the wrath of Khan, which is when we first learned about Romulan ale. Um, has actually anyone tried Romulan ale? Has anyone tried to replicate this? Anyone? It, it burns. No, but uh, burns. the, uh, the uh, <laughs> Star Trek wine, the company that made like the Chateau Picard and stuff, uh, I believe last year actually did come out with a Romulan ale. Oh. They did. Okay. They did. But I didn't get that one. I got the Chateau Picard and like a Union bought. The like, Union. This. Yes. The, yeah. And the that, first two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was so good. Oh, my it gosh. Yeah. The bottles are amazing. <laughs> yes. The shuttle that Riker and Picard took from the Titan is revealed to have the name Savick. This is I a did see that one. What's that? I saw that one. Yes. Ah, this is a blink and you'll miss it Easter egg. Uh, just as the wreckage from the shuttle flies at the screen, Savick, of course, is a reference to the 23rd century half Vulcan, half Romulan protege of Spock, first introduced in the Wrath of Khan. The Titans' rescue of the SS Elios when the Titan wraps uh, or warps, excuse me, in the last second to save Picard, Jack, Riker. In Beverly, the moment is very reminiscent to when the Enterprise-E warped to save the Defiant from the Borg in first contact. Even the ang angle is similar. So there you go. Yeah. 
Picard synth body, of course, reference to Picard season season one. So this Vatic knows quite a bit about what's going on. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, oh, <clears throat> when Sneed tells Raffi that he's obsessed with human things, we see a baseball, which will make many Deep Space Nine fans wonder if somehow he got his hands on Cisco's baseball from the Deep Space Nine series itself. In the Lower Decks episode, Hear All, Trust Nothing, Kira still had Cisco's baseball in 2381, but this is 2402. Could someone have stolen it? I'm sorry, but when I saw the grenade and then I saw the baseball, I immediately thought Deep Space Nine. Anyone else? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Section 31, uh, appropriately, Sneed accuses Raffi of being part of Section 31, Starfleet Super Secret Agency. Uh, which was first introduced in the Deep Space Nine episode Inquisition. Section 31 also appears in Enterprise, Lower Deck, Star Trek Into Darkness, and extensively in Discovery. Technically, although it is referenced here, Raffi is not part of Section 31, but rather working for Starfleet Intelligence, which as far as we know is in 2402 context. Now, we've covered Discovery a lot in, in Star Trek, and I think some of us are a little Section 31 out. Does anyone else feel that as well? I think I'm, I'm feeling a little, and I because they can't seem to make up their mind of what direction they want to take it in. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they have a series that they announced, and then it's been like kind of put off and put off? Mm -hmm. I think Michelle Yeoh kind of blew up since then, since they announced uh, that. So, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> now, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, and I kind of thought this was funny. Uh, Sneed's splinter drug again, twelve monkeys reference, is injected into the eyes. This feels very obvious reference to the TNG episode, The Game, in which Riker brings on board a virtual reality game that everyone gets addicted to in the worst possible way and is saved by Ashley Judd and, of course, Will Wheaton. <laughs> Actually, uh, Data, but... Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did the little Data thing. Yeah, that's right. I love that episode. Because he was the only one that wasn't affected by it because, you know, they turned him off. That's right. That's right. Yep. Worf's weapon, although we've never seen Worf wield this exact Klingon weapon, it is created by Dan Curry, who also designed the Batliv and Worf's smaller weapons, the Mechla. This new Klingon weapon is called the Kurleth. Pretty badass, if you ask me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that is, uh, that is some Star Trek trivia for you. Next, we have, we have the ready room. Let's head on over there. All right, guys, this was a really fun episode of The Ready Room. And if you guys aren't watching it, please check it out. It's a great companion piece. Will is great. And uh, in this episode, we get uh, Ed Spilliers. Jack Crusher joins uh, for a really cool interview uh, with him. And um, it's really nice because you get to see them uh, talk to each other in this interview. And basically, they're space brothers and they have a space mom in common. And that was very fun to see that in the interview. Uh, we also had uh, Designing the Shrike, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Um, creating District 6, they had a trivia answer, and then they also had the exclusive clip from Star Trek Season 3, Episode 3, 17 seconds, which pretty much is, feels like the first few minutes of the episode. So uh, they gave us a great tease on that. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, Ed here. Talked a little bit about uh, growing up with Star Trek. And uh, let's go ahead and start with you, Kyle. I thought this was a great interview. I, I love the fact he talks about how his dad was a fan of the original series, how much of a fan of next generation he was. He talks about the generational aspects of it. He even talks about 
there's that great moment where he shows a drawing his daughter did for yeah. him and things. But what I really liked about this whole interview too was the, the chemistry between him and Will Wheaton because they both know we they've got this very now interesting iconic place in Star Trek and they're, they're they are going to be associated with each other and you can just feel that and I, I especially loved it when they were having the conversation about Gates and especially when Ed talks about just how he, he intense Gates was at, at the beginning and then I, just how you know much how much he learned from her and just with her theater experience and how how they were able to just work off of each other so well and have such great chemistry. And I loved Will's little story about how Gates called him to tell him he had a brother and then was like, oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to tell you that. <laughs> Please don't get me fired. <laughs> but he, he, it feels like Ed is just going to be another, yet another actor who's just going to fit into this family completely. And I'm hoping that when this series of Picard is done, we get this character is going to carry on into something else because I'm really intrigued by this character and I really like Ed Splitters as an act actor. Yeah. I really think I He's really think he, ha- he, has a, ahead, he has a, he has a, he has he has um we talked about this uh, yesterday on Culture Class. He's kind of got that charisma like a, a a Chris Pine has. There's just something about him that makes him instantly likable. Yeah, he's kind of got this space rogue thing going on, not to mention the cool jacket and everything. Uh, definitely. Uh, what about you, Sarah, your, your thoughts on the radio room and Ed? <laughs> okay. So if, if Ed's Beliers is, what did you say? 35? 30, 34, 34. I think. Yeah. He's born in 88. Uh, I'm officially a cougar. <laughs> Cause I am just in my early forties now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he's very cute. Uh, I loved how he painted the picture of, um, he's like, wait, 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 yes. wait, wait. Sarah, are, are you saying you're crushing on Crusher? Yes. Yes. I, am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does have that likability and it's funny. You mentioned Chris Pine cause he's also a big fling of, you know, like I love him. <laughs> so, I, I, I feel a hashtag crushing on crusher. Coming yeah. On. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that. So I, I love how he painted the picture of, you know, like sitting at home, it's rainy, it's Southern London or not London, but like England, England, yeah. Southern England. England on the shore and it's rainy. And, and as he's saying that, you know, I mean, Kevin, you're in this area, like it's just raining and yeah. weird weather here. And I just uh, felt a connection with him <laughs> as he's talking about watching TNG talking about yeah. that. So I loved that. Um, so I, I love as with star Wars too, I love when fans now are working on, these series or movies that you love because you, you can feel the love. It's like, it's like when you eat a meal that's been made by your mom, that's made with love. You like, you can just feel that extra little bit in the recipe. Great. Yeah. Haley, I can just see it now. The next star Trek convention, there's going to be a panel. It's going to start off. Are you crushing for the crushers? The crusher boys, <laughs> Will Wheaton and Ed. <laughs> uh, yes, but also I know where that would be because uh, Will Wheaton doesn't do like creation, so it would be Fanex, and I'm totally <laughs> down. So uh, no, that would be great. Um, no, I really love this when he basically admitted to being a next gener. I was so excited because. We look at so much of the Discovery crew, a lot of them grew up watching TNG. And I love, like, 
like you said, that there are so many people who are now involved in it who grew up as fans themselves. And I can only imagine, you know, Will was asking him, like, what does that feel like to like now be on the set and be acting next to these people that you grew up watching? And like, does the little kid in you side of you just go like, ah, I can't believe I'm here, you know? And like, he did such a wonderful job of explaining like, no, I'm trying to bring my A game to these people because I know they're bringing their yeah. <laughs> nervous. Even though, even though he didn't say it, I'm sure there was a little kid inside of him being like, Oh my God, I get to act next to Pat Patrick Stewart, Captain McCard and Riker and like all these people. And I can only imagine the inside he probably was. But I think the thing that really got me in this interview was how much he was talking about family because will anytime he has any of the crew on, from next gen, you know, they talk about how they were a family. Like it took a while to get to that spot, but they have been families for, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in my forties and that show came on when I was five. So, you know, they have been family for 30 plus years and they still get together and do things. And I love that he talked about how this show really is about family and it's about connection. Um, the clinic that I work at, we are moving to trauma-informed care. And trauma-informed care really takes a look at where people are at and behaviors are all based in some kind of trauma. And in order to get past all of that, we have to make a connection with people. And Ed talked about this in this interview of how this is all about connection and it is about family and really kind of getting to where you can be comfortable with people. And I thought that was truly wonderful because it's real. Like if we really make connections with people, people can grow and people can improve and change. And it really is about creating a family, whether it's your own family, whether it's connecting with others and making a family. Um, I really love that aspect of, of this episode. Of this that's, discussion. An, that's an excellent point, Haley. And I'm glad that you brought that up. And, uh, um, you know, I, like I said, the moments between, uh, Ed and, uh, um, uh, you know, his father in this were really good because you kind of see him really kind of questioning, you know, his father here, even though it's not mentioned that he's his father, but uh, the, the, just the distance of time that does to people and how people change and go on with their own ways. I'm learning a little bit that here, of course, in the recent episode of, uh, um, of HBO's uh, the last of us too, you know, when the brothers finally reunite, but how things change. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I love the interview. I love uh, I love the the instant connection between Ed and Will. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, before we wrap this up, though, I did want to talk about one other thing in the ready room that I thought was really cool. And we were discussing it. it's called ship porn for Star Trek fans. We love Star Trek ships, especially all the little idiosyncrasies between the designs and the history. And I want to talk about what happened here. Uh, with the Shrike, and they talked about the design of the Shrike. Uh, even Amanda Plummer was interviewed briefly talking about this as well. And it's just very, very menacing. And I think it's one of the coolest uh, ship designs that's out there. But I remember I got a buddy, uh, a cat, who texted me like saying, was that the Scimitar? And I'm like, what you, oh, yes, from Star Trek um, Nemesis, the Scimitar guys. I don't know if you guys remember this. This was the Romulan ship that was very menacing, and then it opened up, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very, very cool. But uh, uh, let's let's talk about the Shrike and its bombs. 
<laughs> oh my god. Which ones? 40 yeah. idle <laughs> I- isolytic burst warheads, 88 plasma tor- torpedoes, 236 proton torpedoes, 18 antimatter missiles, 20 pulse wave torpedoes, uh, of course, the deflector shields, and I think it had a big Nerf gun as well. This yeah, thing is armed <laughs> to the teeth, guys, and the design I, and how menacing it was. It was great. Kyle, your thoughts on the Shrike? I, I get the point. We're outgunned. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's an, I love the design of the ship. I love the fact that it they just made it so menacing and so weaponized that we know there's nothing Starfleet has that can even remotely probably stand up to it. And yet, the other thing with it is that, as for all the weapons it has, the captain still chooses to enjoy brute force with her own starship. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Let's uh, let's let's throw a ship at him. There you go. Yeah, boom. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, your thoughts on the Shrike? Uh, so let's talk about the sound design for this Ooh, ship. Yeah. Call. Good yeah. Call. So like every time it's on screen. Um, even though it's it's called oh. the Shrike, which you know you think a bird trill, but you get this like menacing, <laughs> menacing sound every time it's on screen, almost to the point that it's annoying, but not quite. Like they, they just <laughs> pulled it back, but every time it's on screen, it's that same sound effect that just sounds so menacing, like a big orchestral hit with with some other stuff going on underneath it, um, and. So it just gives you this feeling like, oh, oh, it's like your speakers blowing out, you know, ever so slightly or something. Um, so I, I think that part is cool. I'm, I'm not a big ship person in general. Like I don't, I don't go in for the ship porn. So that's not, that's not me. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek. So, but I do think it's a cool looking ship. I wouldn't have any other way to really describe it, but I do like the fact that, um, LaForge, what's her name? You know, she mentions, oh, well, it's physics. <laughs> and like like Kayla, you had said, um, like, how do you throw a ship? Well, it's it's simple physics. And yeah, a shield can't stop what is already in motion, like an inertial. I, I, I kind of feel thing. like uh, the captain was about to say, okay, shut up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nerd. Kayla, your thoughts on the Shrike? Yeah, so you mentioned the sound. Uh, I immediately was thinking of the 2005 War of the Worlds when the aliens Aww. come. Because it's that same, like, brassy, <laughs> like, semi-minor noise that you just, like, you feel it and you're like, oh, crap. Like, it immediately tenses you up because you're like, oh, something bad's happening. Because that's what a minor kind of minor chord, even a semi-one does. Um and so, yeah, I, oh, that, that caught me. But um, I really liked this idea of them using a tractor beam to hurl a ship. Like, that is something completely, like, I don't know who thought of that, but that was pretty genius. Um, because it's using that technology that's been in Star Trek since the 60s in a completely new way. And I think for this character, for Vatic, it was genius. Um, brilliant idea. Um, they talked about in the ready room how they, you know, talked with John Eves about the design. I've actually been able to meet him. Um, I have a signed poster of one of his ship designs nice. um, from the new films because he's been at Fanex before. Um, super, super nice guy. Um, really wonderful. He's really fun to talk to. Um, so I've had multiple conversations with him, I think, in Vegas and at Fanex. But um, 
he's brilliant in his designs of what he does with the ships. Um, I do have to say, and I will bring this up, I thought this was pretty smart, uh, A, for set design use, but also just uh, makes me wonder if, like, when Raffi was, like, leaning over and angry, if she was, like, watching them film downstairs or set up because using the downstairs of the La Serena for the bridge of the Shrike and talking about how they did that, I was like, well, yeah, that's, like, a really cool way to use that set because we only saw it, like, a couple of times in previous seasons. So I was like... That's pretty smart. That's pretty cool, like how they did that. But I loved how they talked about lighting it and all that kind of stuff. It was really quite interesting. Star Trek is famous for uh, using uh, the same set. They they had the planet hell set. That would be whatever alien world they went to. Uh, this part of the ready room with the Shrike, I thought it was really, really cool, too, that, as you guys mentioned, they talked about the production of it. Uh, And uh, I thought it was funny because the... uh, one of the interviews is with Terry Metalis, the showrunner, how he talked about hurling the ship with, with the tractor. He was put in a script, but he had no idea how they were going to do it. And they kind of showed the, uh, how, how they were able to pull it off. And I just, I thought that was really, really, really. All right, guys, uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let's, uh, let's, let's get off our away mission here and uh, let's go ahead and close things out. All right, this is Union Federation. Uh, we are excited to be talking about and wrapping things up for uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 2, Disengage. Just want to give you guys a, th- a chance to give your final comments on this episode. Uh, let's go ahead and start with our special guest, Sarah. Uh, yeah, I loved this episode, and I feel like I need to watch that scene again, the reveal of Worf, with all the decapitations, because that was just freaking awesome. <laughs> Okay, I, I just want to say, this is the second time you've mentioned decapitations. I just love <laughs> what you love. I think that's great. <laughs> well, what is a Ferengi getting decapitated? You know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I have no problem with that. So I can't wait to see more. And now that the news is out of the bag that um, we have a son for Picard, like what what's going to happen there, you know, with Jack Crusher, like how is that relationship going to evolve or change or not evolve because of that information. So let's, let's again, I'm just looking ahead. Let's see where it's going, but I've loved discussing this with you. And I learned so much talking with you guys who know much more about Star Trek than I do. It's all, it's great to have you. I love your insight on it. Haley, what about you? Final thoughts on this episode? Uh, you know, the first episode I was like, all right, I'm, I'm down. Like I'll keep watching, but I wasn't crazy about it. But this episode really, just kind of, I think it goes up from here uh, to reference Mary Poppins Returns. And so I'm super excited to ride this balloon in the sky and see what happens. Nice. Kyle, what about you? I love the direction the season is going. It's changing Star Trek and in, in particularly the next generation in, in ways that I think are going to be great if they decide to figure out a way to continue these stories, whether it's through another set of eyes or just spin some stuff off, but it's just, it, this feels like what I think a lot of people expected from Picard from the beginning is a revisit of an old friend. And I, I really think that's what we're getting with this season. And I, this is the, I'm going to be honest. This is the first star Trek in a while where I'm like, when the episode ends, I'm like, I need the next episode now. And I haven't felt that in a while. And it's nice to have that feeling with 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 star trek um and i'm just enjoying this ride and i can't wait to see how it plays out because i think there's gonna be a lot of we're in for a lot more twists and revelations before this season's done 
Well said, Kyle. Uh, I've been hearing some fans talk about uh, the way this season is going forward, that it kind of feels like a, a, a TNG season eight, or it feels like the, the movies uh, that we still wanted to see because uh, Nemesis didn't do well. Apparently it lost money and the Paramount just shut it down. No more TNG uh, adventures until JJ um, Abrams, uh, you know, rebooted it sort of speak. And it's, it, it feels like the next chapter and it just, it, it, when, when this episode ended, it's just like those two parters that you remember those good, comfortable two parters that you would watch on, on TNG and it would end and you, you're looking forward to watching it again. Or I remember watching it live when it first came out, whether it was best of both worlds, or, <sighs> you know, going, going down to San Francisco and finding data's head and, and gambit and all these other good two parters. TNG really did a good job on the, the two-parters and uh, this is kind of what I'm, I'm the feeling and the nostalgic feeling that I'm, I'm getting for this so uh, I, I'm really excited for it so uh, real quick we're going to head into the oh. cut myself off there sorry we're heading to Orb of Prophecy just to give you a little tease of what's happening uh, next episode is called uh, it's episode three 17 seconds and the teaser synopsis is Picard grapples with a life-altering Revelation as the crew of the Titan attempts to outmaneuver Vatic while Raffi and Worf undercover a plot by a vengeful enemy. Not giving away too much, so but still very cool. But something very neat, the director is Jonathan Frakes. He returns to the director's chair as well. So, all right, guys, let's go ahead and close things out here. Uh, first of all, Sarah, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you are with Skywalking Through Neverland, the network. You've got a bunch of great shows on there. Tell us how fans can find you and a little more fun about that. Yeah, so just head to skywalkingthroughneverland.com. You can find all the shows. Uh, in particular, a show that you guys might like is called Star Wars Ologies, which talks about the science of Star Wars and um, our their hosts talk with scientists of different mean you know like different what is it called areas different yeah different areas of science you know like climatology or nice um herbology or not herbology that's like <laughs> that's a harry potter thing but <laughs> <laughs> i got you i got you yeah. <laughs> all the different ologies you know right. so and they talk in detail about different aspects of star wars and how they fit in with these different sciences so that's really fun Nice. I um, want to give a shout. I want to give a shout out to one of my favorite shows. You guys do is the Star Wars comics. You guys go back on the old Star yes. Wars Marvel comics. Classic. Uh, love Marvel revisiting those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's really fun. We take you know the classic Star Wars series of nineteen seventy six or yeah nineteen seventy six through like nineteen eighty six something yeah. like that, and we go through each one and kind of tell the story too. Um, that's really fun. So yeah, head over there, and then you know this coming week we're gonna have a lot of Mandalorian interviews and stories and things. So if you're into the Mandalorian and season three, uh, definitely check that out as well. Awesome. And then also you can find me on Fangirls Going Rogue which is fangirlsgoingrogue.com. And that is the all-female Star Wars podcast. Nice. Very, very cool. All right, Haley, where can we find you? What's going on with you? Uh, you can find me at trekkie01d. Uh, and I'm kind of quiet right now on social media. So I've been taking a break. No worries. Kind of nice. No worries. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> well, make sure you also check out the BQN. Uh, we partnered with them in the... 
uh, Amy and all those wonderful crew members there that put on some great shows and a couple of shows that they do there is all good things in galaxy class. So for more Star Trek fun, make sure you head over to the BQN. Kyle, where can we find you, sir? Uh, you can find me all over the fandom podcast network. Um, really? A lot of, yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> um, we just did an episode of culture clash live with our good friend, John Mosby. We also have uh, announced the return of uh our great Alfred Hitchcock podcast. Uh, good evening. We're excited for that. Um, as, as well as, you know, you can find me on Twitter at a Kyle W or on Instagram at a Kyle fandom. Awesome. Awesome. My name is Kevin Wright. So you can find me of course, uh, anywhere on the fandom podcast network on Facebook as well. And on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. And yeah, please uh, check out the other shows on the network. We're excited. We're going to be, uh, we just did a Deadpool, uh, um, Valentine's Day special, which was a lot of fun. We got Time Warp coming up. We're discussing 1983 in several parts because all the movies of 1983 are now 40 years old. Uh. There's some classics, some classics in that one. We also cover the fun pop culture around it as well. We got some other couch potato theaters in the work as well. Um, Rex Manning Day, anyone? So uh, stay tuned. Uh, I want to first of all thank again everyone. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. Haley, as always. And Sarah, again, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your Star Trek uh, knowledge. Appreciate you. <laughs> thank you. All right, guys. Until next time, we will see you talking more uh, Star Trek Picard on the Union Federation. See you guys. <laughs>